Come sing to a theater near you. I hope that wasn't a, a sign of what your vision of your vacation was like this summer, going down the river. I don't know if you remember that movie. It's called River Wild, and it was about a family that took a, a journey down a river and crossed a river. Whenever you do cross a river, you find yourself in the middle of a journey, and we're going to talk about that today. The Israelites crossing a river and the journey they took. If you're here for the first time, I hope you feel what God is doing in this place, the, the Spirit in this very place. We welcome those listening on podcast, especially from Forest City, Iowa. We really want you to know we are praying for you in this heat, in the sweltering heat, and we pray that you will be safe in this time out there. Uh, I just want to say it's really good to be back. I, I've been away for a week. I was up picking up my daughter Haley and my wife Star last week in Sacramento. And um, I don't know, have you ever noticed when your kids develop kind of an attitude um, when they're away from you? Sometimes they do. My daughter did that. I said, she said to me, Daddy, I, I want my blanket. And I, I said, you know, what's the word you say when you ask for something that you want? She said, Daddy, I want my blanket now. <laughs> so I knew that there were problems. But anyway, it's good to be back here. Well, as you know, we for the last two weeks have been doing this series called Table for Two. And we're going to continue with that next week. And I just want you to know these small groups that are forming, Table for Two groups are really going well. And we still have time and we have place. If you want to be a part of a Table for Two dinner group, there's plenty of space for you for that. But today I want to offer you a vision that uh, came to me about Highlands Church, about the church. And I just want to lay it before you humbly. As you know, our vision is to help de-church people become fully devoted followers. So that's not to change any of that. You know, our vision is to meet people where they are, to be a church that's normal and non-judgmental and meaningful, all that. But today I want to offer a vision that, that came to me as I was doing a Joshua Bible study. Now, I just want to give you a heads up. This is a little complex, and I, I shared it with one of my elders yesterday, and she said, well, just make sure that the, the church doesn't drown in the Jordan while you're giving it. So I hope that doesn't happen today. But this is a, a vision, I think, for what God can do in our community. Let's ask God to give us this vision and speak through me right now. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for what you have done in this time, in this place. Thank you what you've done in this worship service already. I pray that you would speak through me as I offer humbly a vision that I think can be of what you want your church to be, that you want this church to be. And we pray that in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So this is my vision. I uh, was studying the book of Joshua and Genesis and Exodus in the beginning of the faith, and I was studying about Moses, who took a million Israelites out of the, uh, the land of Egypt, out of the a wilderness there, and he brought them into the wilderness and around the Sinai Peninsula, you remember? And for 40 years, they're there just in that kind of wilderness place, and they complained, and they moaned, and they, and they just, uh, it was a normal family vacation. They just wanted to know where the next bathroom was every two seconds, and and Moses decided, and God decided, that these people were not going to make it to the promised land because of their murmuring, their complaining. And God decided that Moses wasn't going to make it to the promised land. So Moses dies. He dies right on his walking stick. I love that. By the way, the word retirement is not in the Bible. You keep walking on your walking stick until God calls you home. But that's another sermon. So he's on his walking stick, and he dies. And the vision that I have comes from the next moment. So now Joshua, the new leader comes up, and he becomes the new leader of the Israelites. And God asks Joshua to lead the Israelites across the one little piece left, the Jordan River. Now, when God asks Joshua to do this, he asks him to do something really strange. So what I want to do is share with you how strange this is, and I want you to think about this as a vision for the church. 
So it's early in the morning, and that's the first strange thing, by the way. Anything in the morning is not good for me. But it's early in the morning, it, and on the third day, so you know, whenever the third day comes along in the Bible, there's something about to happen. On the third day, Joshua says, I want you to go from the wilderness. This is the bank of the wilderness. I want you and the chief priests, the best priests you have, to take the Ark of the Covenant. That's this covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's where the Ten Commandments are. I want you to take that Ark of the Covenant, and all the great priests are here in the middle and carrying this, this Ark of the Covenant. And I want you to just stand in the middle of the river. Now, on this side is the promised land. On this side is the wilderness. So, that's what the priests do. Early in the morning, they get up, they take the Ark of the Covenant, and they carry it on their shoulders, and they stand in the middle of the river. Then, says God to Joshua, I want you to then have the Israelites all go from the wilderness to the promised land. I want you to cross over a million or so Israelites, and I want you to go right from the wilderness to the promised land. So that's what the Israelites did. They walked a million people while this Ark of the Covenant was in the middle of the river. And so this is the river. Now, this is a strange text. And I've been studying it and thinking about it for a long time. What is this about? The Ark in the middle of the river and priests and then i think i figured it out i think this is a vision for the church for our church this is what i think the ark of the covenant is the church it's the holy of holies that's us the holy of holies it's what god planned to carry the word of god the word made flesh we are the church and i think that the levites are the leaders of the church now, would you just raise your hand for me right now if you have ever done any volunteering, worked in the yard, led a small group, been on the steering team, worked the lights, the sound, anybody who's done any kind of work here at the Highlands, anything at all, would you put your hand up? All right, great. You are the Levites. You're the leaders of the church. Now, well then, what's the river? What would the river be? Well, I was thinking about that. What is the river? I think the river is the world. I think it's God wants the church to be in the middle of the river. It's got to be in the middle of the world. Have you ever been to a church before that's way disconnected from the world? It's way off in hinterland. I've been to a few of those. It's like a castle. You come in, there's the Lord and the ladies, and everybody else is out there. No, I think that God wants the church to be in the middle of the world. I think you and I, the leaders of the church, are the Levites. We hold up the church, the Holy of the Holies. What's the wilderness? Well, I think the wilderness is the mission field, Right? That's where de-churched people become fully devoted followers. That's where people who are broken. That's where people who need help. That's the wilderness. And the church has to be connected to the wilderness. You ever seen a church before that wasn't connected to the wilderness? I hate those churches. They're like, the wilderness is way over there. We're like the Holy of the Holies. We're over here. Now it's right there next to the wilderness. But where are they going from? The people are going from where? The wilderness to what? The promised land. Well, that's you. That's the people of the church. And I would say that's what this Highlands Church is about. You know, you've been going from the wilderness to the promised land. I know you. You're doing a great job in that. Well, let me just ask you, if that is the vision for the church, how is Highlands Church doing on this today? And that's what I want to talk about today. What about this idea of wilderness? Are we connecting to the wilderness here? I give us an A plus on connecting the wilderness. I don't know... You know, maybe it's just the pastor talking about a church and he's really being proud. But I, I don't know of a church out there that lets more people who are broken and 
who come from all different backgrounds of life just feel totally comfortable here. Don't we think we're doing pretty well on the wilderness part? All right, good. And what about the Levites, the, the leaders of the church? I think we're doing pretty well on that, don't you? I mean, great leaders. I mean, we're, you heard about Dan earlier, and this is a great group of people. We're all working on being better. What about the promised land? How are we doing on focusing on the promised land? I think we're doing pretty well. We've got our end time series. We've got a revelation series. We're singing about it. You heard Caleb and Amanda sing about it earlier. I think we're doing okay there. The one area that I think we could work on as a church and what I want to talk about today is being a better holy of holies. I think the future of Highlands Church will depend, and we're going to be a great church. God's going to bless this church, but the more we think about being holy. Now, what do you think about that? What does holiness mean? Well, personally, I don't really like the word that much. It kind of reminds me of holier than thou. Has everyone, anyone, I saw some cartoons on holier than thou the other day. These kind of struck me a little bit. This is a one cream-filled donut criticizing two donuts with holes. There go two non-fields who are holier than thou with our attitudes. This is kind of cute. Here's one with two angels who have one halo talking to an angel who has two. I kind of, here comes Mr. Holier Than Thou. I like this one. Here's one, I uh, sort of like it. Maybe it hit close to home. It's two guys talking to another guy. What bothers me is his hairier than thou attitude. That's what I have, a hairier than thou attitude. So I'm not talking about us being a holier than thou church. That's the last thing we want to be. Actually, holier than thou, people who think that they're better than other people, those are the, that is not a holy church. I want to talk about being a holy church, a set-apart church, a church that is consecrated, that is this special place. I want to talk about a church where people take seriously the consequences of sin in our personal lives. We don't beat up other people about it or anything, but we, we take it seriously. I want to be the kind of church that always wants to be like Jesus. Have you ever met somebody who you just feel is totally holy? You can't explain it. They're just a holy person. I've met a whole bunch of pastors in my life, and they're all great. I mean, I've, I've met a lot of famous pastors. I met Robert Schuler. We'll pray for him in his time down there right now. But I've met a lot of great pastors. But I have to say, I've only met a few what I would call holy people. One of those people is a guy by the name of Paul Pearson. Paul Pearson is just a nice guy. He's still a pastor. He's humble. He, uh, he was a missionary in Brazil for 17 years. Now, he was a straight-A student, and this guy could have gone anywhere. I mean, he could have gone anywhere, but he decided he was going to spend 17 years of his life going down to Brazil and working with the natives of Brazil. 17 years, he brought people to Christ. Then when he came home, he couldn't get a job anywhere because they said that he didn't have any job-relevant experience. Have you ever had that experience before? You do really well in one area, and then you come back to another, and they say, no, you, you don't have any job-relevant experience. So all these kind of bigger churches that he wanted to be a part of, they said, well, you don't know enough about modern technology, modern churches. And Paul said, I, I just know about one thing, and that is helping people become followers of Christ, and that's what I want to do here. He said, well, you, you need to go somewhere else. You're not relevant enough. So he interviewed a whole bunch of places. He could only get a job one place. First Presbyterian Church of Fresno. God bless them. They hired Paul Pearson, and for seven years he did a great call there. Humble, took sin seriously. He, he wasn't judgmental, never. You just shake his hand, and you just feel like you're in the presence of holiness. I can't explain it. Uh, 
he said to me the other day, I was visiting him. He, he doesn't have many shopping days left. I mean, he's a wonderful man. He's heading home soon. And he, he said, Graham, you remember one thing. Don't you ever tiptoe around the cross. That's what holy people do. They don't mean it as a judgment. They're just, that's the way they are. I want you to think about what it might be to be a holy church. Now, I'll tell you what's happened for years and years and years. Pastors have gotten up in front of people and they've said, you be holy. And then everybody goes home and feels bad about, about themselves or they think, well, I'm not really a very holy person and this isn't going to work out very well. This is what I fundamentally believe about holiness. It's got to be a personal walk. It can't be a, a pastor standing up there and saying, okay, you go do this. whole bunch of reasons. It's got to be personal. So the Pope the other day, the Pope was uh, driving, he was uh, in the back of his limo, the driver was driving the limo, and the Pope uh, says to the driver of the limo, can I drive the limo? And the driver says, no, you're the Pope, you've got to get in the back. He says, no, I, don't tell Vatican, they never let me do anything, can I just drive for a while? So the driver gets in the back, and the Pope gets in the front, and they head down the road in the limo, and the Pope hits the pedal, and it goes 105 miles an hour, and he just cranking in this car, and before you know it, of course, the cops pull him over, and he's in California, and there's a lot of cops out in the street, and so he pulls him over, and the guy comes up to the door, and he's, he sees it's a pretty important person, and so he, uh, he, the Pope says, you know, look, I don't want to talk to just anyone, I need to talk to your chief. Oh, so the cop goes to the back to his car, and he says, chief, I, I got someone in the car, he's pretty important. Well, said the chief, I don't care who he is, you're going to book him. We need some revenues here in California. <laughs> well, the thing is, he's real important. How important is he? Is he the mayor? Uh, he's a little more important than that. Is he the governor? Oh, he's a little more important than that. Is he the president? He's a little more important than that. I don't know who he is, but all I've got to say is he's so important, he's got the Pope driving for him. Our Catholic friends are laughing at that one. Now, what's the Pope's title? Does anyone know what the Pope's title is? You know, I looked this up this last week. The Pope's title is not the important master of a big church. It's not the high holy reverend. It's not. It's not the big cheese himself. What is it? Your holiness. Your holiness. Now, this is what I was thinking. What if it wasn't just the Pope's title that was your holiness? What if your title was your holiness? What if I see you this next week in the street and I say, Hi, your holiness. How are you? And you say, I'm feeling pretty holy. <laughs> but this is what I think God is saying to you and I today. Be holy. Be set apart. Take the consequences of sin seriously. Try to be like Jesus. Don't be holier than thou. Just, just try to be as much like Jesus and take this thing as seriously as you can until I call you home. And again, what churches have done for years is they've tried to tell their people to go be holy or they've tried to instill holiness in them. That ain't going to work. Ever heard of the Great Crusades? They didn't work out too well. Or the Salem Witch Trials? Not so well. Uh, Star and I once visited uh, Battle Creek, Michigan. Ever been up there, Battle Creek, Michigan? It's the home of Kellogg's cereal. And funny, there was a group of people up there who believed that the healthier they were, the holier they were. And so they invented Kellogg's cornflakes. True story. Uh, also, they invented graham crackers. And I got to say, I do like graham crackers. <laughs> but that's not the way to holiness. 
Everybody has a different journey. And God is going to tell you, if you don't know what it is, what the one or two things you need to focus on are. And the things you need to focus on are not the things I need to focus on. One time a man came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to be holy. And Jesus said, well, tell me about yourself. And he said, well, I'm following all the rules. Jesus said, ah, I don't think you're doing one thing. One thing you're not doing is giving to the poor. So why don't you give all that you have to the poor and follow me, and then you'll be holy. The man walked away and decided he couldn't do that. Now, Jesus is not telling you to give all that you have to the poor. That was that man's journey. But he is telling you something. He's telling you something. How to be holy in God. It would be great if you get to the end of your life and, and people said, what did you do? Well, he did a good job in this job and this job and this job. But I got to say one thing. He was just holy. Or she was just holy. So that's number one. It's a personal journey. And you ask God this week, what is it that God wants you to do? And if you want me to help you with that, I'd be happy to counsel you. But I'm not going to judge you in your area there. And that's the second thing I want to say is it can't be a judgmental thing. I don't know what it is, but whenever we think about being holy, we think about judging others. It's funny, I heard about a woman named Margaret who had a little dog named Patches, and she read in an article that if she fed Patches enough castor oil, that Patches would be healthier and he would live longer. So every day she would go round up Patches who would be screaming and squealing, and he would be wriggling and barking, and finally she would force feed this castor oil down poor Patches' throat, and, and then Patches would go away, <laughs> you know and that happened every day well one day she rounded up patches and and she started force feeding him castor oil and and patches kicked the castor oil uh, bottle away and she got all kind of upset so she went in the back to get a towel she came back to clean up the castor oil and guess what she found patches doing he was licking up the castor oil what did she learn from that it wasn't the castor oil that patches disliked it was being force-fed. Now, I'm going to give you a big truth here. Everyone likes castor oil. All right? Everyone does. Everybody likes judgment. I've been a pastor for 10 years. I've never met a person who doesn't want God up here and me down here. I've never met one. All of us want that. I don't care how bad we've been in our lives. All of us want God to say, no. And we want to say, okay, I'm sorry. That's, that's the human heart. That's how we were programmed. And the fall is about how we fell away from that dynamic. But we all want to be brought back into alignment with God. You just don't want me up here telling you what to do. And I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Because I've been to a lot of churches, and when pastors are up front telling you what to do, you know what it is nine times out of ten? It's his problem or her problem and not your problem. I was uh, at a church in Scotland. True story. I was sitting in this church in Scotland, my grandma's church, and there was this pastor up front, very high, holy a holy person, and he was saying, now all of us need to work on an area of sin in our lives. And you could hear the whole congregation going, here we go. And he said, we need to work on our tendency to read the Saturday evening post on Saturday instead of focusing on the Word of God. And I kid you not, a woman sitting next to me said, that's his problem, not mine. Nine times out of ten, when a guy up front or a girl up front tells you about some big area of brokenness, it's, it's his or her issue. But you know what it is. You know what your area is. And God is calling you to be holy for the rest of your life, and he'll walk with you day by day. But the other reason is this. You know, when, when churches 
go about and picking on areas of sin. And again, by the way, elucidating sin is not the same as picking on areas of sin. We tend to pull up the weeds and the wheat. One time a farmer came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I was working all day in my farm and then uh, late at night this guy came in with all the weeds and he put a bunch of weeds there and I just don't know what to do with all this because now I got weeds and wheat. And Jesus said, I'll tell you what to do. You let the weeds and the wheat grow up and I'll cut down the weeds. You just work on the wheat. So that's what we're going to do here. But that doesn't mean you can't work on your own weeds, okay? You work on your weeds, I'll work on mine. The last thing is this. What is holiness? Holiness is being like Jesus. That's it. It's not being like me. It's not being like any of the pastors in this church. It's not being like the Pope. It's just trying to be like Jesus, who is the most perfect, pure person. He never sinned his whole life. He was never unkind, never impatient. He never lusted. He always gave. He was always generous. He, he had a kind thing to say whenever anybody had... He, he corrected people, but he always was kind. He's perfect. But you know the thing I loved most and love most about Jesus and his holiness and the thing I try to be in my life? Is he was hard and soft. Star and I were reflecting on the fact that we've been married 10 years this last year, and we've just been thinking about the 10 years of marriage, and we were kind of remembering our wedding a long time ago, and uh, remember, we kind of did all the stuff. We got the cake, and we got the dress, and we got all the place, and the, all that, and, but then I forgot I needed to get a wedding ring for myself, which is probably a good sign. So I went in and got a wedding ring for myself a little before the wedding. I went in, and I said, you know what I'd like is just like a pure ring. I want a holy ring. The guy said, you don't want a pure ring. You want something mixed with like brass or copper because that's going to be harder. I said, I don't really want something hard. I want something kind of soft and nice. I don't want something pure. I want pure. Give me a 24 karat gold ring. He said, you don't want a 24 karat gold ring. It's going to bend. It's going to have nicks in it. Well, he was right. Ten years later, I got my ring on my finger, and I can't take it off because it's bent around my finger. And it's got more nicks in it, all these nicks and cuts and wedges. But when I look at that, I think about ten years of being married and the nicks and the wedges. And I think about Jesus, who was hard and soft. And he still has the nicks and the wedges that we put in his side and his hand and his feet. He's holy. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this incredible church. I thank you that you have made us a special, a special consecrated place for you. I thank you for all the leaders, the Levites. I thank you for the wilderness that you've put us in. I thank you for the promised land. I thank you for the wonderful members who are all walking from the wilderness to the promised land. Lord, as we move into our next chapter together, I pray that you would help us to be holy, not judgmental or critical, just holy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
my defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. Amen. God bless you guys. God's grace and peace be upon you this week. We'll see you soon. feedback ever since I put this mic in. I don't know. Is it my guitar or is it the microphone? Guitar? You can. Hey, can we check one thing really quick? Sorry. I just want to... You want to bring it back up, Tony, and see what, what it is? Yeah. Is it, is it gone now? Oh, there it is. What's that? Yeah. Hey. Um, yeah.